It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. One of the most uh, wonderful aspects here on This Might Get Uncomfortable is the pre-show banter that you as the listener don't often hear. Sometimes we just hit record and flow with it, and other times to get into it with our guests, we <laughs> we touch on all manner of random subjects before we start recording. So before we started rolling here with Ryan and Jake, we were talking about obscure world records for who has been able to pee the longest and who has the world record for holding their pee the longest. This is, this is the randomest. Welcome to our minds, dear listeners. And uh, if you were curious, since we're on the subject, the current world record was held a few years ago by a nurse who held 2.5 liters of liquid in her bladder for two and a half days. And the current world record for the longest duration of consistent urination is 508 seconds. And if you're, you were wondering what the conversion is to minutes, that's over eight minutes long. I mean, life is fascinating. And I think this is one of the reasons why we started This Might Get Uncomfortable, because we are students of life. We're curious about life. We want to consistently learn things. And my goodness, humans are, we are always wanting to just do the most random, obscure things. And I can imagine going out on dates, you know, when society opens back up and, and be like, you know, out on a first date and being like, so yeah, tell me about your life and being like, well, I, I actually do have a Guinness world record. Be like, oh my God, you have a Guinness world record in what? Like skydiving, you know, saving the most kittens from burning buildings. Like, no, I held my pee the longest. <laughs> like someone is out there leveraging this as a chip in the dating world. But anyway, that's how we start this episode. We're really we're really excited to have Ryan and Jake from Rellies here on the episode to dig into a subject that we have not yet talked about. Uh, we Whitney and I have touched on our mutual affinity for CBD and THC and cannabis and hemp and all the wonderful benefits of of those glorious plants and their role in mood regulation and anti-anxiety and uh, mental health, as that is one of the major subjects we love to cover here on the episode. So I want to kick it off with uh, Ryan and Jake. You guys have, have such wonderful personalities. We were laughing so hard before we started this. And the first thing that I'm super curious about before we dig into the nitty gritty of what's in your, your wonderful products, Whitney and I have both been enjoying rallies for uh, several weeks now. And I'm so curious, what is this name all about, right? Because you, you guys have these products based in these wonderful terpenes that we'll get into in a little bit, but what the heck does Rellies even mean? Where did that name come from? And how did y'all even come up with this? Yeah, so it's a good question, Jason. Uh, this is Ryan. I mean, to be honest, like we, we, we Rellies was uh, an alternate for our first name. Our first name that we wanted to try out was Calibrate, but that was, and we were we were super in love with that name. We found out that it already had a trademark on it, so we were looking around for something that we felt uh, you know was as as good a name. And I think it was Jake. You were the one that found it, right? Yeah, I, you know, we were just trying to come up with something that would have kind of multiple meanings and and work in multiple facets. And so, you know, we were looking around for things like, 
and, and we'll get into what what terpenes are, but the thesis behind the business is they're standalone benefit. They have standalone benefits, and then also they have benefits when paired with other like cannabinoids and, and things of, of that nature. And so there's a relationship there. And so we started, you know, looking around for what are synonyms for relationships related. Um, and, you know, really is this kind of a slang term for related. And that's kind of really the impetus of the the name. There's there's a lot of different things that that rallies, you know, can relate to you. The terpenes that we use are, are sourced from nature. They're related to your everyday life. They have benefits when paired with other products. So there's a, an inherent relationship there. And, you know, that's really where the, the genesis came from. When we first hit on it, there's a lot to the connotation that, uh, that we liked. And we've gone through a ton of other names where, and I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people who are working on trying to, you know, come up with a, a brand name where you go through a lot of, uh, you know, what about this? What about that? And then uh, it's about around somewhere around a thousand <laughs> where it clicks and you're like, oh, thank God that's over. <laughs> it's very hard to come up with a name. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you guys shared that with us because I, I had been sitting like, what does this even mean? I guess I'm showing my age in the sense that like, I had no idea that release was even a slang term for relationships, but we're, we're really excited that you guys are, are sponsoring this episode and sponsoring the podcast because as I said, Whitney and I have been really, really enjoying taking these products and and we're always big fans of trying out new things. One of the big things that I suppose is a guiding principle for our brand and everything that we do is being, you know, life experimentalists. And I think in modern life, one of the things we highlight is is the amount of stress and anxiety and mental health issues that not only we've personally dealt with, but that we see in our friends and society. And we're always looking to experiment with I suppose, you know, for lack of a better term, is biohackers, new technologies, new products, using ourselves as test subjects just to see how things vibe. And, you know, for us, it's really been a relationship with, as I mentioned, things like CBD, cannabis, hemp. We're, we're really into natural products and, and, and trying out different things. And for us, this, this whole realm of terpenes, like for me, for me as a chef, right? For for me, I know like aroma and flavor and fragrance and and feeling is something that I've sort of experienced in things like, gosh, how, how would I even like hops and lemongrass and pineapple and basil and herbs and you know my experience with I suppose terpenes on a level has been more in the food sphere as a chef in in how to flavor foods and make things taste really good and the bottom line you know for us when we're promoting foods and, and we're talking about the health benefits of food is look if it doesn't taste good and the aroma is not there and, and people aren't having their senses engaged with something they're probably not going to eat it right and so in the context of terpenes because i'm not super familiar with them and i i'm sure that our audience unless they're they're super deep into the technology and the science of this may not be familiar so what the heck are terpenes from not only a scientific perspective, but where do they come from? And I guess more importantly, why should we care? What what are the benefits for the human body in terms of consuming them? Yeah, so I think there's a few things that people really should know about terpenes. I mean, number one is, to your point, they're already deeply integrated into your life. So when you smell plants, fruits, vegetables, terpenes are doing a lot of of that work, and uh, so they're you know when you talk about the experiences as a chef that you're trying to deliver, you're partnering with terpenes to deliver that experience, and uh, people are are interacting with terpenes in that way. 
what kind of really fascinated us at the outset was the versatility and the impact that terpenes have that people aren't aware of, you know, and so uh, people weren't, weren't aware of, of their impact on smell, but they also weren't in, aware of kind of the standalone effect that they have on your body. I mean, uh, and they are useful for more than just flavors and smells. They're studied alone or they're studied for how they work with your endocannabinoid system and how that system impacts, you know, your body's uh, self-regulation. And so, and just like quickly to, you know, to define your endocannabinoid system, I mean, that's, as your listeners probably know, your body has multiple systems uh, working together at all times to kind of produce what you're feeling, what you're thinking, how you're experiencing things. And the endocannabinoid system affects actually a lot of other systems in your body, whether you know it be your endocrine system, whether it be your nervous system. So when those are working together in tandem, terpenes and the amount of terpenes that you have in your body are part of uh, part of the regulation for that. So the standalone effect of terpenes can have wide ranging impacts in your body. And then, but what people who actually know about terpenes tend to know is how they work with cannabinoids. So cannabinoids are, you know, they can be THC or CBD. And a lot of the studies that have been done on terpenes have been directly related to how they amplify the effect of, say, what you're feeling and experiencing when you are consuming THC or CBD. And, you know, for the benefit of your listeners, I mean, there's there's a lot of cannabinoids outside of THC that have no intoxicating effect. And so CBD, CBN, CBG, those are some of the examples that people are becoming more aware of. And for any of those, including THC, the ability of terpenes to amplify or emphasize what you're experiencing with those has been a, a big common theme of exploration for people who study the the substance. Yeah, maybe just to just to piggyback on that a little bit. So, you know, terpenes to your point are found in everyday life. They're found in things like fruits, vegetables, spices, things of, of that nature, things you interact with. And they're being studied for benefits on a standalone basis that Ryan touched on. Uh, as well as the amplification you know, properties that they're being studied for in, in connection with the relationship with cannabinoids such as THC, CBD, CBG. You know, they're often seen as what the, the driver of the, the experience there. So the, the terpene profile you know, really will uh, kind of dictate your experience when consuming some of those uh, cannabinoids. And then you know, one, one cool thing about it, and, and one thing that Ryan and I are really excited about is, is from a regulatory standpoint, you, know, you can buy terpenes anywhere because they are botanically derived from non-cannabis, non-hemp type sources. So it's not the same level of restriction with a marijuana or CBD type product. Jason and Winnie, that was what was surprising to us was that people hadn't really had a consumer product available that was just terpenes. And, you know, so many, uh, so many products out there were, you know, take look at this uh, CBD product that's fortified with terpenes. Look at this THC product that has terpenes added to it. But, you know, to us, you know, our natural mindset as consumers were like, okay, well, I mean, you know, we see value in, in, CBD or THC and what it can do for you if we want to control that experience. And, and Rellies really is about, you know, taking control of what you're experiencing, your mood, your mindset, your experience with a cannabinoid or just independently. Why, we, what we were surprised by was that there, there wasn't the option for you to choose how much of, of the actual terpene was in your system. And so that's, that, that was kind of why we started Rellies was to give people that control. I think it's interesting because you, you talk about taking control of our mood and our state of being. And, and 
as someone who's you know really into consciousness and and one thing that Whitney and I discuss a lot here is sort of the the history of human consciousness and self-awareness and and that being a really intrinsic part of our mental health conversation and that's really one of the the fundamental reasons why you know again we started this podcast was to try and empower people to explore different solutions to you know take control of their mood take control of their mental health and and find more natural solutions and this conversation of, I suppose, you know, endocannabinoids and plants that have the ability to interact with the human body to alter consciousness. I mean, this is something that humans have been doing for literally thousands of years. If we if we go back to look at, say, peyote ceremonies or ayahuasca or iboga or a lot of other plant medicines that are out there, it is interesting to observe how a lot of plant medicines are starting to come more into the mainstream conversation. And this might be a little tangential, but but I find it absolutely fascinating. And I research and, and I'll shoot Whitney articles sometimes about different studies that are going on with psilocybin or MDMA, or like I said, ayahuasca. And there's places like Johns Hopkins and things like the state of Oregon legalizing psilocybin and MDMA for clinical usage. And the thing that's interesting about this is, is you know, this might get a little bit esoteric for a second, but but we're going to go there. That you know, governments and federal agencies have this desire to regulate certain substances, but have others be legal. You know, and I think about this a lot. Right, that we have things like, say, tobacco or alcohol or pharmaceutical drugs that are are perfectly legal to use that alter our state of consciousness. I mean, anyone who's you know ever used tobacco or alcohol or pharmaceuticals know that they will alter your state of being. They'll change your state. But then there are these other categories that are either illegal or highly restricted that also change your state. And from a human behavior perspective, it's just fascinating to me why I guess certain, I don't know, higher powers, if you will, in our society are like, well, you can take these drugs, but you can't take those. And I just, to me, I, I think it's like on this journey of life, as we're, we're trying to explore things and open our consciousness and maybe heal some trauma, that's certainly one of my motivations to have more access to these plant medicines, I think is so important. And I, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but some of my family members back home, when I talk about, you know, CBD or THC or, or even terpenes, they're a little bit like, I'm not going to take that. And it's like, well, why, you know, why, why, why are you afraid to explore, you know, these plant therapies that have, have been shown to be super beneficial. And so I guess it brings up a larger conversation of people's resistance to these things. You know, and and my curiosity goes into, you know, why do we think people are so afraid to try new things or or demonize certain substances, right? Of like, oh, I'll try this thing, but that thing over there, that's scary and that's bad and and I'm not gonna go there. I just find that that aspect of human psychology to be so interesting. Yeah, no, actually there's there's a lot that you just said uh, to connect to there. And but uh the thing that that rises up most for me is this notion of, you know, a state of consciousness. And I think when people look at, say, natural remedies versus, say, pharmaceuticals that are available to them, you know, from our perspective, a pharmaceutical that's meant to, that, that you interact with is, yeah, it's meant to, a lot of times it's a sledgehammer approach. And a lot of times you're interacting with that, not from a state of maintenance, from a, but from a state of correction. And, you know, for products that we're interested in, and, and certainly for rallies, I think, for us, we're looking 
to help you steer rather than help you avoid a crash that's appeared on the road, right? So when we think about you know the the use of ayahuasca or MDMA or other products recently, I think I think uh, and and Jake talks a lot about this this notion of of microdosing that that people have begun to introduce so that there's more steering involved in our lives rather than more jerking the wheel to the left or the right to avoid a, a catastrophe because we've we've let maintenance get out of whack. Yeah, even with THC and, and cannabis type products, I mean, you see more and more of the low dosage type products hitting the market. And, and those are some of the ones that are, are most popular because I, I think it goes back to what Ryan was touching on. You know, people aren't necessarily looking to, and sometimes they are, but I'd say most of the time people aren't looking to be, you know, in a completely altered state. They're looking for help getting towards a certain mood or mindset and that really is is the approach that that we're taking, and, and we feel like you know just kind of the broader market and, and society is kind of pushing in, in that direction. Yeah, and listen, I mean, I think uh, I think both of us. I mean, we both go to the doctor. We both have a lot of respect for kind of how your doctor helps to guide your health. But I also think that the you are your own first line of defense in maintaining your mindset and maintaining your bodily function. And your body is your best partner in that. And so, you know, when we talk about cravings and we talk about, you know, wanting people kind of intuitively eating or, you know, intuitively finding what you want to put into your body because your body is telling you, here's what you need. A lot of that is driven by, you know, say your sense of smell, your sense of taste, your tent, your sense of what is, what it's going to take to satiate that uh, craving. And, you know, from our perspective, terpenes are a fundamental part of that. So if you are, if your body is telling you, Hey, I want something that smells or tastes like this part of uh, like a, an integral part of that is kind of, how can that be met? By terpenes. Now you're, you're you're ingesting terpenes plenty in your daily life whenever you're consuming, you know, plants, vegetables, fruits. But it's you know it's you're it's also not targeted. And so for us, you know, I think offering a, a terpene product that has a tailored mixture of terpenes is a way for people to take more control and do more direct maintenance and kind of get it ahead of the curve rather than you know try to kind of fish through things and and. Uh, and and then end up having to address things more drastically later. Yeah, and and just going back to and to Ryan's point, there was a few things to unpack there. But going back to the the nature of having plant based medicines be taboo, yeah, I, I totally agree with you in the sense that it's it's just kind of fascinating as to how do you make that distinction? Where do those you know kind of uh, societal rules and regulations come from? Uh, I, I would say the one thing I'm most encouraged about is it feels like a lot of those taboos are are in the process of, of lifting. And I, I think we're a lot closer to them being widely accepted than, than we were even, you know, five years ago. So it's, it's a pretty exciting time to be discussing, you know, some of these things. Cause I think from everything that, that we've read and, and we're seeing, there's a lot of benefits to be had from some of these, these items that, that you mentioned before, Jason. I really want to dig into more of the story side and hear more about your personal stories and, and stories of people who, have used products like yours and and how that's impacting their lives just to kind of bring it back to that whole experience you know because i have felt really confused about terpenes and i and on, honestly i still do and i think that's an important thing to explore I, I i still feel confused about cbd even though i've been taking cbd products for 
for years. And I think going back to Jason's point, there's different levels of awareness is, is it takes a long time to fully understand something that feels complex because the way our brains work is we need to have information shared with us in very clear ways and really relevant ways to our lives. And we're also going against a lot of things in the media. And and for many of us, we have been told for years and years and years that hemp products are illegal or dangerous or bad. We have a lot of negative associations with it, which I think clouds our thinking around this. And then even if we can understand it on like the logical level, like we can read about things like CBD and terpenes and all these different options for us and take the products. But I think sometimes it's hard to grasp because for me, terpenes and and CBD have been very subtle. So sometimes I step back and think like, hmm, like I don't, I don't know, like, is it making a difference? You know, some, sometimes I feel like it is and sometimes I can't really tell And so I'd love to, let's dive deeper into this. I'd love to hear like, how is this affecting each of your lives, Ryan and Jake and Jason, since you've been taking the products too? And what stories have you been hearing about people that have been taking them and and how is it changing their lives? Sure. So, you know, I, I often find myself looking for natural ways to kind of help tilt my mindset into certain directions. And, and you know, I, I think much like yourself and Jason, you know, I, I'm experimental when it comes to products on, on the market. You know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm not looking to, you know, get all wired and jittery from like 10 cups of coffee when I'm trying to, you know, kind of get through a, a long work day or, you know, trying to relax at the end of a end of the the day and, you know, pop melatonin or, or take NyQuil or, or something like that, because those things uh, inherently impact other parts of my life, my life that I'm trying to, to solve for. So, you know, I, I'd say generally speaking, I'm, I'm looking for more subtle aids to kind of get to the mindset that I, that I need to be in, in order to accomplish the, the task at hand, whether that be to, you know, kind of focus on certain things or calm down at the end of the, the day, or just kind of you know, try to give myself a, a little bit of kick in the right direction, kind of generally speaking. And, and, you know, I've, I've done that through a, a number of, of different products. And, and I know, you know, some of my family members have also, you know, been using things like CBD, you know, my, my mom, for example, is it's tough for her to just for her to sleep. She's not like full blown kind of insomniac, but she has found CBD to be a, a nice alternative to like a Xanax where it, it enables her to, to, you know, kind of subtly wind down at the end of the day and wake up, you know, not, not groggy and not relying on some sort of pharmaceutical to get the um, sleep that, that she needs. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about the benefits that, you know, some of these kind of plant-based more, more natural medicines have on helping kind of guide subtle shifts in your life. Yeah. And I, listen, I, I'm, I'm not trying to talk about Jake's family's experience, <laughs> but I mean, I think you bring up a good point in that, uh, and, and it's core to our philosophy. And it goes back to this notion of, you know, there's, there is a, a time and a place and a, and a context for strong ph- pharmaceuticals, right? But I mean, if you take something that is a, like a pharmaceutical grade sleep aid, it is going to shut off your state of consciousness. It's going to turn you off. Whereas, you know, again, if you're intervening from a maintenance perspective, you're moving yourself to a position where your body and your mind are ready to sleep. 
And I mean, that, that kind of goes back to my experience, to kind of my interest in terpenes and supplements. And I actually, I'm probably, my personality type is a bit different from Jake's in that I tend to be the, a more cautious person and I tend to sit back and, and, you know, look at, at, you know, what's, I, I just tend to probably more over, analytical, yeah, over, well, overly digest things before I make a, uh, before I make a move on it. And so for me, I guess that, that factors into how I use natural supplements, it generally tends to be on the calm side. So I just, uh, you know, another thing about me is I just tend to get stuck in the zone where, where I happen to be operating, you know, as, as someone who's trying to, to build a brand or trying to, to work on a, on a business, a lot of times that's in, you know, zeroed in mode, you know, looking at a to-do list, focusing. And then at the end of the day, the transition for me is not immediate. And so being able to kind of help with the steering, because I believe it's important to, you know, have a rest period at the end of your day, a period where your mind is moving towards the the place where it's, it's going to reset for the night. And for a long time, for me, that was a challenge. And my perspective had always been your, your issue is not getting enough sleep. It's getting ready for sleep, getting ready to kind of do the, the mental cleansing that happens at the end of a day. And so that's, that's kind of been my experience. And, uh, and just, just to touch on your, your point, Whitney, about, you know, not, not sure about CBD, not, not sure about terpenes. Sometimes you feel like you feel it. Sometimes you don't. I, I think that's part of the, the beauty of the, the natural supplements because they don't hit you in the face like a sledgehammer. They don't impact other areas of your life. You know, they, you, you may not always notice the subtle shifts, but I'd be willing to bet that if you stop taking those supplements in those instances, you know, you, you may notice yourself a, a little bit more wired or a little bit less able to focus. And, and that's, that's kind of how they come into play. They aren't necessarily always, you know, kind of right in your face in terms of effect. It's, it's more subtle than that. And without, without trying to jump to analogies that relate directly to being high, but the way I like to talk about it is if you've got a pilot who's piloting a plane correctly, you're not going to notice so much your journey, right? It's going to feel like you're just in the right place. Whereas if things are going poorly, that's when you notice movements. When you know that you're doing, when you're doing correct maintenance is that you end up where you want to be with a minimal amount of disruption. And so again, if you're taking something, yeah, that shuts out the lights five minutes later, there's going to be a payment for that on the other end. Whereas, you know, for our, from our perspective, we're trying to get you to your destination with a minimal amount of whiplash and, you know, panic attacks and grabbing the oxygen mask. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's kind of what, what folks are, are looking for. I, I know that's what I'm looking for is, is something more subtle. Yeah, I love first of all that <laughs> that analogy. You guys are are sharing some good ones here and and I I feel like those are super helpful and and I love this because I think it's reminding me how many people are looking for that quick fix and they're looking for something that they will be able to notice really quickly. Like they want results fast and that's that's part of our human nature. And and yet nature, as you're describing, can take some a while. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that things take time. And especially if we want them to be sustainable, if we want a benefit that's not going to have any major side effects, it might take some time for our body to build up to it, right? And I think that's that's part of what's going on here is becoming like more in harmony with ourselves, becoming more aware 
and better understanding plants. In fact, I mean, that's a an ongoing thing. And I think part of our our interest in this subject matter is that Jason and I are really into plants. We're into plant medicine, you know, and and yet there's almost like this um societal idea that like plants are are weak, but yet plants are have been part of our lives as human beings from how as long as we've been alive, right? And people consume plants and, and not even recognize it. And then yet there's like this idea of well marijuana, like that's cool. And that's like what what bad people do. And bad could be like bad as in negative or bad as in cool, you know? I'm I'm using air quotes right now as I talk, like when I say the word bad. And then like CBD, I think is kind of becoming cool, but it's still confusing. I mean, this is coming from the same plant. It's really powerful. And yet there's all these different perceptions about the strength. And plants in general are, are we're needing to kind of collectively change our perception of them because for so long, plants were viewed as weak, except for in the usage of like drugs or something. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, like what the way you kind of outline how we react to the notion of plant medicine is, I think, a, a perfect discussion for maybe one of the shortfalls in how we look at health today in general. And that is, I mean, a lot of plants can be refined multiple times into such a potent form and then packed at such high concentration that what you wind up with is a pharmaceutical. And like I've said, there's a time and a place for that. But to your point, there's also the maintenance that can be done on an ongoing basis means that you've got to, number one, be more in tune with your body and you've got to pay attention and you've got to be intervening along the way rather than trying to avert a disaster with a drastic remedy. And so just to stop you there, I, I think that's such a such a, a good point because it it does it goes back to I think you have to be a lot more in tune with yourself to know it's kind of like a, a trial and error sort of thing to tinker with kind of what works for you. So you know it, it may be it's a little bit more work perhaps as an individual to get the plant based medicine to be strong for you. But, you know, with the right focus on it, I feel like you can use natural remedies to to touch on a lot of the, the effects that, that you you'd like to kind of be the outcome. So I want I want to I want to get into the origin story of some common drugs because we're talking a lot about and not necessarily in in a way to be combative about this, but pharmaceutical options versus more holistic natural options. And I know holistic and natural is such a broad sort of umbrella, but this really tripped me out. Recently, I learned about Tylenol, right? That's some, I feel like everyone knows what Tylenol is and and the active ingredient in Tylenol being acetaminophen. And I think Tylenol is probably one of the most popular, you know, pain relievers and has been since it, it came out in 1955. I had no idea until recently that Tylenol, the acetaminophen, is produced from coal tar. And coal tar is this really thick, sticky, viscous liquid that's produced when oxygen-deprived coal is subjected to super high temperatures, right? So we've been we've been consuming as a society this product for pain relief that has come from fossil fuels, that's come from petroleum. Like that that trips me out. That for half a century you know, America's favorite pain reliever is not an, it's not even natural, whereas some other pharmaceuticals are actually derived from plants. There were some interesting studies around acetaminophen, though, that the University of Wisconsin 
is starting to synthesize acetaminophen from plant sources. Now they're moving away from coal tar. But I think I'm bringing this up because there are so many things I think that we just grow up taking, right? We see our mom, our dad, our family's like, well, you're in pain, take a Tylenol. You know, you're doing this, just pop this pill or do this thing. And as individuals, I think it's so critical to do the research and find out where things come from, you know, rather than just taking things at face value and being like, oh, well, this is what I've seen on TV and movies and my family and people in my church or whatever it is. And I think this goes back to one of the original things that we talked about in this episode, which is is sort of this taking responsibility for your health and being self-empowered. And a big part of that is doing the damn research and finding out where this stuff comes from. Because when I found out Tylenol was made from coal tar, I'm like, I'm never taking Tylenol again because I don't want coal in my body. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a really good point, Chase. I mean, the... Um I think a lot of people have been trained to just kind of take what's given to them, but not understand the relationship. Number one, like, you know, what, what effect is it going to have on your body? I mean, we have very cursory conversations sometimes about side effects and we're really just focused on an outcome. You know, we don't want to engage with more difficult questions of what is the whole body impact of what we're, you know, what we're, what we're taking as a remedy. Now I will say though, that, you know, we're, we try to, when we talk to people about the role of terpenes, we try to reiterate a lot that uh, we believe, you know, we're very much believers in Western medicine. I mean, we, we believe in, you know, the power of uh, medical interventions. We believe in the power of vaccines, et cetera. Like all the, all the things that, that a lot of technology and a lot of innovation have given to us, we think that there's a ton of value. But at the same time, we, well, we want to make sure that people include in their toolkit is everyday maintenance and that you know when it when you're doing that kind of everyday maintenance and it's up to you that also means it's up to you to understand what you need and what's going to have a good impact and what the effects are going to be yeah and i, I think maybe just more broadly speaking the, the good news is and i i totally agree with you jason in in that you know hey it's it's kind of on you to do the research on what you put in your body but the good news is is i feel like people are becoming more and more aware of that fact. And, and you just look in food, for example, you know, the amount of emphasis that's put on clean label food, organic ingredients, non-GMO certification, you know, all those sorts of things. That that whole industry has been exploding. The, the entire grocery store has been turned over with healthier alternatives because of that fact. And I think there's more and more of that kind of happening, you know, outside of food and into things like supplements and vitamins and even, you know, clothing and, and kind of, you know, people want to know where their product's coming from. If it was sourced in a kind of healthy way, that's for them. If the ingredients, you know, are something that they think makes sense to put in their, their body or put on their body. And I, I think that you know, we're going to continue to see those trends accelerate going forward. Yeah, Jacob brings us a really good point in terms of, you know, what's the responsibility of a brand and what's the responsibility of a product? And, uh, you know, I think uh, for us, it's clear communication and then living up to the promises you make, you know, through what you're communicating. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, testing to make sure that your product is free from solvents and heavy metals and pesticides, whether it's uh, testing to make sure that you're just delivering a safe food product. I think the the challenge that brands in the wellness space and the food space and the beverage space, you know, especially functional food and beverage, you know, we got to think about our responsibility to the consumer. When we, when we talk about them doing their research, they're doing their research on us. 
And so the way that we meet the consumer halfway and build that relationship is that we tell them, here's what we're about. And if that's what you're about, then you can count on us to deliver our half of the package and you can incorporate us into your routine. And so you know, we want to make sure that when someone's doing research on our brand, they know what they can expect and they know what's, uh, what they're putting into their bodies. No, I, I love that level of of transparency. And and I think it's interesting too. I want to loop back to just something you mentioned earlier, Ryan, about, you know, the course of your day and sort of your personality and your work ethic and some of the things that you you briefly touched on. You know, we have a lot of conversations with friends that are entrepreneurs and business owners. And one of the biggest things that we find that people are reticent to talk about are the challenges with self-care when you are running a business. And this is something that that you know Whitney and I are both encouraged by seeing more articles and more interviews with really well-known entrepreneurs and them coming out about their mental health struggles, them coming out about the fact that you know they work 20 hours a day and might get a few hours of sleep each night and I think that there's become this rhetoric and sort of this bar that has been set by people like Elon Musk, not him necessarily solely, but I, I feel like he's he's someone we talk about a lot in terms of his direction and sort of him being an archetype for a lot of entrepreneurs to look up to of sleeping on the assembly line at the Tesla plant and, and taking Ambien to sleep at night because he's working so much. And there's a lot of pressure when you are running your own business, as we do, as you both do, and so I, you know, I want to get uncomfortable for a second and dig into a little more nitty gritty with you guys of, you know, what's it like for you in terms of your self-care, your mental health, your relationship to caring for your bodies and your minds as you guys are, are running, you know, multiple businesses. I mean, it, it's everyone thinks entrepreneurship is this glamorous thing on Instagram, right? Oh, it looks great. And you're on private jets and you're buying Lambos and you're, you know, <laughs> you're taking all these vacations and all this shit that gets thrown around. But the reality of it is running a small business is tough. So what are, what are some challenges, you know, you guys face on a personal level and, and how do you maintain your self-care being entrepreneurs in, in the world right now? Yeah. So, and actually, you know, so the first thing on that question I think that's important, at least the, the perspective I want to get out there is that I think, you know, Elon Musk is, he's a great example of kind of, you know, what the potential is when you compare someone who's brilliant and someone who works really hard. What's gone on with Tesla is this massive success story from those two themes. But I think, you know, the way it gets kind of echoed back is really illustrative of the, some of the problems that, that happen with just human narrative building. So I think what we do is we attach to large themes and we, we create a, a kind of a simple template for how to digest it. So, you know, work hard and use your inherent gifts to create something and it can be a great success. Those are all really great themes, but I think, you know, what happens is sometimes it gets out of skew. And what we don't remember is that there's a time and a place to be working 20 hours a day. And there's a time and a place to be sleeping on the factory floor, but that's unsustainable. And I don't think that, you know, uh, anybody who builds something great is going to be doing it by doing that, by doing that kind of behavior indefinitely. So, and it's, it's a much harder message to digest to say you are responsible for knowing when it's time to really dial up the intensity. And then you're also responsible for 
taking care of yourself in a way that's going to give you the resources and the energy to get through those times. And so because there's so much uncertainty in that, are you making the right decision? Are you investing enough today? Uh, or is, is today the time when, when, you know, you need to be restoring your resources? And I think at least for me, that's always the question that's kind of running around in the back of my head is, you know, I mean, what else can I be doing today? And something that not often enough for me is on the table is, well, you need to be reinvesting in yourself. You need to be stopping and reading a book. You need to be getting an extra hour of sleep. You need to just go outside and get some fresh air. It's always, you just get this myopic vision of, the answer is always something else for the business. And it is a challenge. And like I said, I mean, like I get, I get spun up and stuck in the zone and then I just forget about other maintenance items. And so for me, that's the big challenge. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, when running a small business, as, as you guys know, there's kind of always more that you can be done and it's error that, that you can do. And to Ryan's points, like when do you kind of draw that line on a, on a daily basis, on an hourly basis? And then, you know, thinking about things, Long term, to me, the hardest part is is the unknown. That's the exciting part, but it's also the scariest part because you're doing all of these things to try to create something that you hope will, you know, grow into this, you know, big beautiful thing, or your your child will will grow up here and be a successful, you know, member of society. You know, that's it's there's a, a bit of a you know walking blindfolded aspect to being an entrepreneur. And you know, for me, I I think one of the things that I certainly try to do that I feel like has helped me a lot more lately is, you know, just trying to make like 30 minutes, 45 minutes at, at least, you know, five, six times a week to, to exercise. I find that to be tremendously helpful. And, I, and I'm not one that historically has been, you know, going to the gym like seven days a week or that historically hasn't been like a huge part of my life. But, but lately I, I feel like it's, it's really benefited me in kind of all facets of my life. Cause it just gives me a chance to, kind of work through certain things in my mind while I'm doing it and then reapproach, you know, work. Like I, I may exercise at night at from like nine to 10 or something like that, and then go work another hour or two, because I feel like I've got the mental cognition after kind of working through some thoughts while exercising and, and little things like that, I feel like go, go a long way. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, what Jake said though, about walking blindfolded, I think you know, that's, that's a big challenge. But then I also, it makes me think about, you know, you're also walking kind of with earplugs in sometimes too, especially in like the, the environment we've been operating in the past year. I think, I don't know if you guys have talked to some of your other guests about this, but I mean, I, I feel like in a COVID environment, you have a lot of stuff available to connect with people over Zoom. I mean, you guys run great, great events, but I mean, it's different from being able to be in a in an actual physical setting with folks and just ping ideas off of each other, have natural conversations like in a group uh, where you know you're not using the mute button to to figure out who talks or whatever. It's just being able to kind of talk about the entrepreneur experience or just like your life experience that you know that flows out of you know being in this position. It's different. It's been different for the last year. Being able to connect with people and digest your own experience in the context of what they're going through, I'll tell you, I'm I'm eager for for that to return. Yeah, we are too. Whitney and I talk a lot about you know the balance between sort of uh, introversion and extroversion, and how many events we're used to going to and and interacting with people face to face and. That's going to be a really interesting integration. I'm not sure if if you guys are planning on attending 
the Expo East trade show, one of the things that that we're super passionate about, and, and Ryan and Jake, you guys have both been in our Dolphin Tank room on the Clubhouse app. And for you, dear listener, uh, we have a Wednesday a Wednesday afternoon room from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific that we can put a link to the show notes at wellevator.com if you want to join us in the Dolphin Tank. And you both have attended. And and the reason we started that room, one of the reasons with our good new friend, uh, Greg Fleischman from Foodsters, is that we wanted to create a container for that kind of familiar, connected interaction that we've all been missing, not just from trade shows, but other live events. And you know, for us, you know, we're we're hopeful that Expo East happens in September in Philadelphia. And and we're curious, you know, since we're on that note about human interaction and getting together in some semblance of community again, you know, are you guys planning on going to more physical events like that and introducing yourselves to people, connecting with community? And ha- have you guys ever been to the Natural Products Expo? Is that something you've done before? Because it's amazing. Yeah, so we've we've walked the floor at expos. We never had a, a table, and we certainly see a lot of value. I'd say, you know, I mean, to your point, we're we're looking for opportunities in the future when it's you know when it's safe to do so to get out there, talk to people about rallies, talk to them about what's going on with them, and and just I mean, I think both of us are the reason that we're in the position we're in today is because we just get engaged by hearing you know, people's stories, hearing what they're excited about. And it gives us ideas. It just, it brings more energy into how we approach our projects. So we're absolutely looking for opportunities for that. I don't, I don't know if it's Expo East, Expo West. I, I really don't know where those opportunities are. I'll tell you, I think, you know, we're at the stage with this brand. We're trying to have, you know, people to get to know us mm-hmm. and we're trying to get to know people and, and what they like about a product and, and uh, how they're integrating it into their lives. So we're looking for those types of formats to connect with folks. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I totally agree that Expo West or, or Expo East, those are phenomenal events. And, you know, I, I think you can't take away or you can't replicate the magic that happens at those trade shows in a zoom world. So, you know, we very much look forward to being able to attend those types of events. I, I did actually, I think I just got an email yesterday saying that they were going to do a full blown in-person Expo East here in the fall. And then um, Expo West was going to be uh, virtual again, which is which is a bummer. But yeah, the, the human interaction is such an important part of, you know, building a brand and, and just in general. I mean, I, I think once it returns to normal, we're all going to realize how much we, we missed it uh, even more than I, I think, you know, a lot of us already do. Yeah. And can I just say, though, the, you know, the, the reason that I was thinking about the event that you guys have and the difference between I see between that and Expo. I mean, I think Expo definitely. There's a lot of people connecting on a lot of you know a lot of different topics. But what I really like about the event that you guys put on in the Dolphin Tank is you know one of the core questions that gets asked is how can anybody in this room help? You know, and it's it's about people who are building brands, people who are watching brands be built, people who are just connected to the industry, asking each other, you know, how can I help you? How can, you know, what can, what can I do to, you know, get you further along in your mission? I think that's, you know, that's something that, that we really like to see. I think it's a, a question that, you know, people need to be asking each other uh, as fellow entrepreneurs a lot. And, uh, and so we, we like going to those events, not just to get help, but just to kind of hear about, you know, it's, it's a proxy for what are the biggest challenges people are facing in a new environment. And again, like we just get sparked by those, by those conversations. Yeah. And, and just in, in general, and, and sorry to ramble on here, but I, I have to say that um, 
I, I'm newer to Clubhouse, and it's been it's been so cool to get on there because it, it is it does feel like such a deeper connection than like a Facebook or an Instagram or a TikTok because you're you're really communicating with people on a on a live basis, and and it, it really is a, a cool app, and and the room that you guys set up is is you know certainly very fun to be a part of. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love that point about asking how can I help you. You know, that's something that has started to come more naturally to me over time, but it doesn't come naturally to everyone. And I think it's it's really important for us socially, especially as events start to open up, hopefully, and we start interacting with each other more in person. It's going to take an adjustment for us to to get used to not just focusing on ourselves. And I think maybe that's going to be one of the most interesting elements of the the current state of the world is that we get so self-focused. We're at home. We are not seeing people that much. We might see them in virtual settings, but there's so much data that the way we interact virtually is incredibly different from how we interact in person. And it's it's going to take a more practice to be present with people in person and to get off our devices. And and I think that's the one downside or actually a very major downside to the state of things right now is we're trying to stay connected, but the best way for us to do that safely at the moment is through our devices. And our devices have a lot of challenges for us mentally and emotionally And yet it's like, okay, well, we have to compromise that in order to stay connected because that's also so important to us. So it's like, we have to, is it canceling it out? You know, the, the pros and cons of socializing and, and doing it through a device. And, you know, Clubhouse actually was really challenging for me on an emotional level, not just as an introvert, because I, I become a little bit more extroverted in platforms like that. But, uh, it was impacting my sleep. Like I was just constantly thinking about Clubhouse and the socializing and like my brain was literally struggling with it for the first month. And I finally, as of early February, have been able to sleep better. And it was like, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was like taking every supplement possible, including um, the Rellies Calm at night because I just wanted to relax more. I wanted my brain to relax. But as I was saying earlier, we can't always force it. Like it takes time for us to adapt. And so we're in this new period with with a platform like Clubhouse that's can be literally shocking to the system. And I think the 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 same thing is going to happen when we start socializing in person again. It's going to be a bit of a shock, an adjustment period. It's going to take us some time to become less self-centered, for us to become more extroverted again, or to balance our, our energy levels. One thing that I thought was super interesting on TikTok, which is where I kind of stay in touch with the world these days, aside from Clubhouse, somebody was saying how our bodies physically, mentally, and emotionally have become so used to not doing a lot that we forgot the way that life was about a year ago when we would perhaps go to work and then socialize afterwards and go to the grocery store and run all these errands. And every day was just go, go, go. It was full of the hustle. It was full of the productivity. And then during COVID, especially in the beginning days for many of us that were able to work from home, we suddenly realized that that was a lot of energy. 
it was taking a lot for us to go to work, to take care of our kids, to go to the stores, to, you know, run whatever errands, to socialize with friends all in one day. And how many of us now, we don't have that that amount of energy anymore. We, we now are lucky if, if we have the energy to just go run one errand in one day. And, uh, you know, I think like the importance of plant medicine is actually going to become bigger and bigger as we continue to adjust because we need that support. When you were bringing up events like the natural products industry, that Jason and I went to, we actually relied on on products like CBD to get us through those events. You know, there, there's one time in particular years ago, I know Jason remembers that we just like loaded up on CBD because we're that was the only way that we could physically, mentally, and emotionally get through four days of nonstop events. And honestly, if if I do go to Expo East in 2021, it's probably going to be really difficult because I'm out of practice. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting the way you frame that, Winnie. It's, it's like, and I, I wonder what you and Jason think about like this notion that, you know, our, our energy level, I mean, just in terms of going through your daily routine, it's just like any other muscle that we exercise and train. Right. And so to your point, we've become accustomed to everything can be done on an app and in pajamas and, you know, we try to invest in things like maintaining our friendships and, and we're still trying to bring our A game to work. But I mean, it is just a different energy level and it's a different type of interaction and the social energy that it takes to do everything that we have previously been doing in public and, you know, navigating what it takes to do these things in person with, with other human beings. It's, it's something that maybe we haven't been practicing and using as much you know, so when you say, well, what's that going to be like when we get it back out there in the world and you're going to have to recondition yourself and you're going to need, you're going to need the tools that'll help to, you know, push that redevelopment back along. It's a really good question. I wonder, you know, how you guys are thinking about uh, the need to invest today in being ready for hopefully, I'm hope, I really hope later this year, it's, you know, a situation where that's going to be expected of us again, both, you know, from, from work, from family, from friends that we're going to be part of that uh, in-person structure again. I mean, for me, guys, I, I <laughs> you can't downplay, I think from a sheer perspective of, you know, the physical exertion of, as Whitney mentioned, being at our homes you know, sitting in our offices for, for hours and hours and hours a day, you know, like, like Jake on, on your marathon zoom calls. And then for instance, going to Expo East in September. And I mean, we've clocked on Whitney's iWatch. Some days we would walk 10 to 12 miles a day. So to go from being semi sedentary to all of a sudden going to a trade show and walking 10 miles a day, if literally, if we're not prepping for that, and we're not working out and stretching and moving our bodies in a way to go from sedentary to 10 miles a day is going to be a very, very rude awakening and a painful awakening for a lot of people. And I'm saying that to remind myself to get my ass in motion so that I'm not all of a sudden like, oh my God, I forgot what it was like to walk 10 miles a day. And, and it's a very real thing. I mean, we, we, we talk about our hacks for trade shows and, and events of wearing the right shoes, making sure your posture is correct. As Whitney said, taking the right plant remedies to regulate things like, you know, I've had panic attacks and anxiety at these trade shows because you go from being mostly sequestered in your home to, 
I have no idea how many people might show up, but you know, at the peak Expo West was like what, 80, 90,000 people. I mean, imagine, right. Going from, from us being in our little environments to being around 80,000 people, there's going to be a lot of people struggling with things like anxiety, panic attacks, mental health issues, because we're not used to being around tens of thousands of people. Now, granted, we, we don't know if that many people will True. be at, even allowed at events like that anymore. No, that, that is true. I think, to your point, Whitney, I, th- I think really, though, I, I'm saying this because I want to prepare. You know, I want to get my body and my mind in a certain condition that, you know, and even if it is, even if it is 10,000 people, the idea right now for me of being around 10,000 people is like, oh my God, it feels a little bit overwhelming. So I think this is a good call to, you know, not only our, our industry colleagues that might be listening, but any listener of, when we're reintegrating back into things like sporting events, giant concerts, Coachella, trade shows, we've really got to take care of ourselves. You know, to just to just go from being sedentary to diving in these experiences could be really harrowing and damaging for people. So I don't think it's something to take lightly. You know, I think it really is something we need to prepare for. I think it's great to use the notion of sedentary because you start, you know, when you when you started laying out the the challenges of going back to that environment we started by talking about walking right and and you know people naturally can can see the connection to being sedentary in the like in this environment but being socially sedentary where or at least at a at a you know at a lower level of uh, social requirement is you know it's it's something that we're going to have to everybody's going to have to prepare for because you know right now you can stop your interaction by going on mute. You can stop your interaction by turning off your screen. But if you're walking around a trade show with be it 10,000 people or 50,000 people or 90,000 people, you're having a, con- a new conversation and managing a different relationship, what, every minute, every two minutes, every five minutes. And that type of, you know, we're, we're currently sedentary in exercising that muscle, being able to connect with different people at a fast rate over a long period of time. Right now we are, yeah, we're on the couch when it comes to managing those relationships. And later in the year, if everything goes well, we could be running marathons in that sense. So I, I have a few questions that I don't want to forget in terms of going back to terpenes really quickly. I'm sure this is a question that's going to come up for for some people because it came up for me in my mind, which is why I'm asking it. Is it possible to overdose on terpenes? So that's actually a, a really good question. And it's actually, uh, that question is fundamental to why we brought rallies to market in the format that we did. Because you actually have a lot of B2B products out there that are super concentrates of terpenes. They're, it's essentially industrial strength. And people can buy those, but you know the, the people who do that, the next step for that consumer is to do careful calculations on what the proper dilution is. They need to buy the medium for it. They need to buy equipment to, to dilute it, mix it, and then consume it. And to us, it was really, it goes back to what I said earlier about how we were scratching our heads in terms of what was on the market. Because if you look at terpenes the way we do, we see inherent value in terpenes themselves to be uh, incorporated into your daily routine or to be taken with a, a cannabinoid that's working on your endocannabinoid system, something like a CBD, a CBN, a CBG. And so if that's true and you say, all right, well, I believe in the potential for this and, and I want to use it as part of my, my maintenance, what we saw on the market was stuff where you're going to be having to do a lot of work before it's ready for you to use. So I guess to, to answer your question, 
you can overdose on water, Jason, right? I mean, like there's toxic levels for everything in the market. The thing that we wanted to address was providing a product to the market that had the same use case as you do for, you know, your any other natural supplement, which means if you use the product according to recommendations, then it's a completely safe consumer product to use. So we wanted to put terpenes in a format that made them just like you're taking a ginseng pill or an apple cider gummy so that uh, it's it's just easier for folks. And it's it's something that makes the burden of self-maintenance something that's manageable for a consumer who's got a busy life to lead. So the other the other question that I have, because this is something we've heard from from other colleagues of ours who have natural products companies, is that they will they'll become their own test subjects to the point of taking copious amounts of their product to see how it affects their bodies. So I, I'm curious when when you were both working on the formulations for this and putting the different terpenes in did you guys say, okay, you know what? We're going to take, we're going to down a whole bottle and see what happens to us. Did you guys do any, any personal testing just to gauge sort of the amount or the efficacy of the product? And, and if so, what kind of things did you experience? Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, for us, you know, when we were working on this product, first of all, we, like I said, we worked with uh, suppliers for terpenes who, you know, these are the people who have extensive knowledge and and who have really studied what's out there to come to us and, and work with us on a targeted outcome and say, okay, here's how we're going to craft this. But then when we got that, I'll tell you, yeah, we were our own guinea. Like, I think it's yeah. a common story for a lot of entrepreneurs where not only are we our own guinea pigs and I like, this is probably going to get me in trouble, but I had my, my grandma's with, I was, I was, uh, I was working with my grandmother's and, uh, I was just like, Hey, I've got a new batch in, you know, will you guys try this with me? You know, tell me you know, how you feel, how it tastes. Like, what do you think is just a, a general consumer? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where, if you want, I mean, if you've got the money, I guess you can go out and hire a bunch of uh, people to do product consulting tests and and get uh, and do focus groups and et cetera. But I mean, Jake and I aren't the people that are going to uh, be in a position to do that. I mean, like we started this kind of the bootstrap way, which is, yeah, you try it yourself. You see how you feel. You see how it tastes. I mean, like, would you as a consumer want to do it again? And uh, and then you rope in family members and friends and you say, hey, try this. And you find out who really who really likes you. And they're like, oh, sure. Yeah, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> I love that you you guys admitted that you made your grandma's guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, they're really game. But I mean it's it's just funny the conversation you have, right, with your with your friends and your family and you say, "Hey, just try this." And and uh some people are like, you know, I you know, I wouldn't trust you to buy my groceries, right? And then, you know, some of your especially when it comes to your grandparents, like sometimes they think that you can walk on water and and so, you know, obviously, like you've got to be a good steward of that trust. But then, you know, it's just, it's really great to like actually work on these things with your family and your friends, because it's just another way to like be involved in each other's lives. And, you know, it's it, for, for us, if you're thinking about one of the big things, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of chances to create misery for yourself by doing things alone. And there's a lot of chances to kind of let things get out of whack by by not remembering kind of the bigger picture. And so part, I think the entrepreneur's journey is, you know, using this as an opportunity to connect with your family and friends as well, involve them in your life. I mean, obviously not everybody's going to want to be a guinea pig, but I mean, I certainly had a lot of conversations with my friends and my family about what's going on. And, and, you know, like sometimes whenever we come up against a, uh, 
you know, a big challenge, you know, we reach out to our family and friends and we say, what do you think? And it's just another chance to, to, you know, interact with people in your life. Yeah. And just going back to the kind of product testing, uh, for lack of a better term side of things. I mean, you know, for Ryan and I, I mean, we're, we're looking to build something sustainable. And the only way to, to do that is to, you know, build something we feel confident in that's going to lead to consumers having, uh, you know, trust in our products with. And so it was definitely important for us to, try the products ourselves and kind of test them out on ourselves first. And then to Ryan's point, friends and family before we made it available to the broader public. No, I think that's wonderful. And and you guys giving that value add for anyone who is running a business or thinking about running a business to not only do it from a financially sound perspective by having the support of friends and family, but I think that's a great way to overcome a lot of the feelings of isolation that can come from being an entrepreneur of thinking that I have to do it all on my own, you know, I have to do everything, I, I, uh, or in some cases being reticent to ask for support. So I think it's wonderful from an emotional support perspective that you guys brought that up. And I wanted to loop back really quickly to something Whitney had asked a while ago about my experience using the Rellies products. And to, you know, be fully, fully transparent, I've been struggling with insomnia off and on for the past few years now for a variety of reasons. It's it's really been tied into a lot of my challenges around uh, depression and, and suicidal ideation and anxiety and, and a lot of my mental health issues. And again, to, to loop back to what we were saying, I'm, I'm very much open to experimenting with new things to try and help with the challenges of life. And I even texted Whitney this morning. I said, hey, you know, can you help, you know, can you re- lead, lead the fellas through the optimization? Because I didn't get much sleep last night. And you know, out of out of the three products I've been using, the Calm has been really, really wonderful. And in being the research freak that I am, and not knowing about the specific terpenes, you know, I went down the rabbit hole on on myrcene, and I was like, okay, you know, so the the myrcene in the in the Calm, you know, what's what is it about this particular terpene that's that's supporting my sleep and supporting my nervous system? And I went on and looked and saw, oh, you know, there's some interesting research around myrcene as one of the big terpenes around being an antidepressant and being a sedative and helping with depression and muscle relaxation. And so that one in particular has been something I've been been really stoked about as adding to my sort of sleep hygiene regimen. And so I, I'm just a huge fan of what you guys are up to. And, you know, the focus has been great, especially when... <laughs> It's it's sort of all it's all of like a domino effect, right? If I don't use the calm and I don't get enough sleep, then I'm going to need the focus during the day. So I'm stoked that you guys have these three different formulas with specific targeted terpenes you're talking about. Because for me, my body's very sensitive to to things like flower essences and these terpenes. So I'm just giving you guys kudos for a, a product that I've been really enjoying that's helping with my sleep hygiene and helping me figure out what the heck's going on with my body and. For the dear listener, we want to point you to a resource you can use to try out these great products. You can go to our show notes at wellevator.com. Our website is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Click on the podcast section, and it will take you to the show notes for this episode where you can access everything we talked about with Ryan and Jake today. And we are going to have a a custom link in those show notes where you can get 20% off your order for which will be applicable to all three of the Rellies tinctures, which again is Focus, Calm, and Joy. And that 20% off link will also help you save on their shots. They have mood support shots that are also great. You know, it's it's just awesome that you guys are offering this and, and we're happy to be partnering with you because whenever we try something 
and it's something we feel good about that resonates with our bodies and our minds, we're, we're big brand evangelists. Again, that's why we started Dolphin Tank. That's why I wanted to have you guys here today is when we find good people who have their hearts in the right places and that are making functional products that work, we want to champion those things. So we're just so appreciative of you both being on here today and educating us about terpenes, educating us about why you guys started the company and how this can help our listeners and our fans. Yeah. And Jason, uh, I mean, first of all, uh, just sincere thanks for, you know, sharing, you know, how rallies is, is part of how you're doing your maintenance. And, uh, and really, I mean, you know, when we think about the, you know, wanting to offer folks a, a chance to try the products, we're big believers in the the best thing that you can do when you're starting a new brand like this is get the product in people's hands and then let them tell their experience stories. And that's how you succeed. And, uh, and we're glad that, that, you know, there's products that we have that, that you're able to integrate and that, uh, that helps you again. I mean, like for, for us, we believe in maintenance before intervention. And so for people who are focused on doing maintenance for themselves, we just want to make it easier and we want to make, uh, make maintenance uh, more prominent than intervention. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, myrcene, right? Because it is, it's, there's actually tens of thousands of terpenes that occur in nature. I don't know if uh, you guys had, had come across that in your research, but only a few of them have really received a lot of study in terms of what impact they have on on your body's systems, myrcene being one of them. Uh, and just because you were talking about, you know, using Calm and and uh, how that's been, uh, had an impact on you, I'll tell you, you know, you said that you have a sensitivity and receptivity to uh, some of the floral essences and linalool is another uh primary ingredient in calm and, and that's derived from lavender and actually linalool is you know what they've studied that for is its ability to you know as an analgesic so as a pain reliever as a sedative and and also it's its impact on your sympathetic nerve activity and your parasympathetic nerve activity and you know your sympathetic nerve activity is what takes over in periods of stress in periods of danger uh, it, it's what drives your fast twitch reflexes and so People have looked into, well, how does linalool downregulate that and promote parasympathetic nerve activity, which comes, uh, which comes into play during times of rest, times of recovery. And so anything that we can do to kind of help people, you know, smooth out the, the amplitude of the bumps in our life, you know, whenever, whenever you are trying to steer towards what's going to help you get through your day or get to the part of your day where you're relaxing. We're interested in providing that. And we want more people to have experiences with the product. And we're excited to hear people's stories about it. Yeah. We just appreciate you guys, not only creating these products, but doing the work to educate people about the benefits of it. And in addition, again, to that uh, custom link for you, dear listener, to save 20% on your Rellies order, we are going to link to some research documents and some articles for you to do more research on terpenes. As Ryan mentioned, there's so many out there and we want you to be fully educated so you know what you're putting in your body and you can feel fully empowered to start experimenting with these great new products. So until next time, dear listener, thanks for being here on This Might Get Uncomfortable. Ryan and Jake, you guys are amazing. Thanks for all your love. Thanks for all your support with our health journey. And again, creating these products to help everyone smooth out those bumps in the road. So until next time, visit our website. Again, it's wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And we will catch you again with another episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to Wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.